Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. I'm glad to be uh, back in First Timothy. Um, glad to have this new Lord's Day, start a new week, uh, focusing on the Word and worshiping together. Uh, today we're going to look at First uh, Timothy five seventeen through twenty five. Uh, before we begin, let's let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you, Lord, for your mercies that are new every morning. We thank you, Father, for the day of rest that you've given your people, um, that we might set aside this time to um, stop thinking about all that we think about in the rest of the week and um, stop focusing our attention on all that we have to do throughout the week and focus our attention on the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ who died for us and has been raised from the dead. And so we pray, Father, that as your people gather today, that you would give us spiritual rest. Father, strengthen us, nourish our faith, and bless us in Jesus, we pray, and all this in his name. Amen. Okay, so 1 Timothy 5. I'm not going to read all of it. We're just going to get into it. So this is verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Okay, so this, uh, this is an exhortation to Timothy to do two things essentially. The first is this. To guard the honor of the elders of the church as much as possible. Guard the honor of the leaders of the church as much as possible from possible abuse from the congregation. He says they are worthy of honor. Timothy is a pastor, and so uh, as a pastor, he's somewhat distinguished from the role of the elders, but the elders and the pastors... In our circles, in reform circles, in this denomination, they, they make up the session, the leadership of the church. Um, we see this distinction in verse 17. He says, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. That's a reference to pastors. That is what they've been called to do, preach and to teach primarily. Now, obviously, the elders will do some teaching But it's to Timothy that he is to preach the word, to immerse himself in the public reading of the word, um, to to preach and to teach the gospel. That's what pastors are primarily called to do. That's primarily where they spend most of their time, prayer. Um, Especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Uh, But Timothy is also a fellow elder alongside the other elders who help lead the church. And so part of guarding the elders he says, is to not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So the elders in a church, they're in positions of authority, and so in some sense, they represent the authority of God. Now, of course, they're, they're not to be treated like that, as if they're gods and you know, divine people in the flesh or whatever. Um, but on some sense, the authority that they have is representative of the authority of God, And so it's only natural that those who want to defy God would seek to bring down the leaders in the church by any means possible. And so Timothy says, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses, which means there's a possibility of people carelessly and even sometimes maliciously 
bringing charges against the leaders in the church. Timothy was, was to do his best to guard the reputation of the elders, to guard uh, their honor. Now, on the other side of this is the elders, right? They are expected to rule well, and that's what uh, Timothy uh, says here. Um, let the elders who rule well, that's the expectation upon elders, that they would rule well, ruling in the, in the spirit and the love uh, of Christ. And so we have obligations on both sides, protect the elders from abuse, possible abuse from the congregation, and the elders ought to rule, uh, rule well. Uh, so that's the first thing. Timothy, in general, is to guard the honor of the leadership of the church as much as possible. The second thing he tells Timothy is that pastors should get a sufficient salary for their work, for their work of preaching and teaching. He calls it here double honor. That's what it means to get a, a paycheck for preaching and teaching. That's double honor. And Paul gives two scriptural grounds for this. He says, for the scripture says... And he then, it's not merely practical, it's just coming from the Word of God. And then he quotes Deuteronomy 25. He says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. Now the image there, uh, of course, is in that in biblical times, oxen were used to plow fields, they were used to tread grain. Treading typically happened after harvesting and uh, the idea was that the ox would pull this sledge behind him and that sledge would, would crush the treaded uh, grain and it would separate the, the kernels from the chaff, right? And so as the oxen is doing this, as the animal is pulling the sledge and separating the kernel from the chaff, he would eat those kernels as he was hungry, and, and so feed himself, give himself strength to continue to pull that sledge um, as, as the, the kernels and the chaff are being separated. Um, and so muzzling an ox, to put a muzzle on that ox, would deny that animal the food that he needed to do his work. And so it, in a sense it would be cruel. It would be cruel to keep that ox from being able to eat some of the grain so that he could do his work. And you can, you can imagine why someone would do this. Why, why would someone muzzle an ox? To hopefully to make a bigger harvest, right? Make more money. And I think I can save money by cutting out the ox from getting, from getting food. So I'll put a muzzle on him and I'll collect as much as I possibly can. Um, and so, uh, of course, now that scripture deals with animals, um, but... How much more then should a church take care of their pastors, right, who preach and teach, should muzzle them, should feed them? In Corinthians, Paul uses the same passage to argue uh, from the lesser to the greater. He says, uh, he quotes the same passage, um, Deuteronomy 25 and 1 Corinthians. He says, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things? And so pastors primarily are called to reap spiritual things through preaching and teaching. And the church responds to that ministry with providing his material needs, his physical needs. Um, now, uh, one thing that comes out here, it's kind of a side note, but Paul equates 
Matthew's account of the words of Jesus as Scripture, right? He says, for the Scripture says, and then he quotes Deuteronomy 25, but he also quotes Christ's words that are given in Matthew. And that is where Jesus uh, says, the laborer deserves his wages. And Jesus said these words in the context of sending out his disciples uh, you might remember, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew in the evenings. Um, we just looked at this, this chapter, actually, not too long ago. Um, Jesus was sending out his disciples to preach, to perform miracles. And he tells them, don't take anything with you. Uh, you don't need anything. You don't need to take a bag, whatever. You are to depend upon the free giving of the church. Your friend, you are to depend upon the free giving of the Israelites to whom you bring this message of salvation. And he says within that context, the laborer deserves his wages, right? These are pastors, preachers, apostles sent out. Uh, they deserve to be paid for their work. Um, and so that's the double honor that uh, Timothy is talking about. Laborers deserve uh, their wages, Laborers deserve their wages and double honor is equated to saying to the church, pastors deserve to be paid for their work. They should not feel guilty for taking a paycheck and an adequate paycheck at that for the, uh, for the work um, that they do. Now, of course, there's situations where pastors, um, in order to serve the church, and this is what Paul did, didn't need a paycheck. They, for the sake of the gospel, they... they were able to work without receiving uh, payment. Um, but that's, that's, a, that's something that's rare. It's unique. It's not for every person. And um, the pastors who can't do that should not feel guilty that, for being paid for their work. And so laborers deserve their wages. Timothy, uh, Timothy deserved to be paid. Uh, but on the other hand, too, with all this said... Timothy deserved to be paid, but he should also guard himself against the desire to be rich. Later, uh, Paul's going to tell Timothy, uh, if we have food and clothing, with these we'll be content. Right? And so, yes, pastors deserve to be paid for their work. The laborer deserves his wages. But on the other side of that, there's an obligation as well. Pastors, guard yourself against the desire to be rich. There's no need to live in, um, you know, exceptional luxury, whatever it may be. Now, this is funny um, to think about this because Theodore Beza, back in the time of the Reformation, there's John Calvin preaching, teaching in the late 15, in the 1500s. He passes away, and then Theodore Beza is his successor. And so John Calvin is gone from the scene. Theodore Beza is now kind of the functional leader among the Reformed in Geneva and in, in, uh, in that area. And the, in, that, in those days, the pastors were paid by uh, the government, uh, the, uh, the civil leaders at the time. They got their paychecks from the government, the civil leaders. And so the civil leaders actually uh, at one point rebuked Theodore Beza because they thought that his house was too, it was too nicely decorated. <laughs> so... Um, I don't. I, I doubt that um, those those claims were legitimate, but it's in there. It's in the historical record. So, 
Um, of course, Theodore Beza didn't like that. And that they were complaining about his wife, really, because she's the one who decorated the house, of course. And so, um, but uh, with all this said, there's an obligation on both sides, right? Uh, you know, pastors, uh, they're not to be greedy for, for financial gain, but the good pastors, they do deserve uh, to be paid. Okay, so it should not surprise us then that some in the church, uh, when we think about this, you know, th- these are things that Paul is giving to Timothy because they're possibilities, right? Um, people might bring charges against your leaders, your fellow elders, and they might do it with a malicious intent. Timothy, be on guard against those things. Um, uh, you, you need witnesses. Um, we'll talk more about that in a second, but um, it shouldn't surprise us that this kind of thing is a possibility in the church and actually does happen in the church um, because this is what happened to Jesus, right? The Pharisees consistently sought to entrap Jesus. They consistently sought to accuse him of wrongdoing. They were waiting in the grass like a stalking lion, right? Just waiting for him to say something or do something that they could latch on to bring, uh, to bring him down. And so Timothy should not receive careless charges against uh, leaders in the church. It's a real possibility, as sad as it is. So I'll stop there for a second. Any thoughts or questions on that? What do you think? Yeah, Jay. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, so the question is, would that tie into, you know, the, the qualification is for elders would be uh, to not be a lover of money, right? Would that tie into what he's telling Timothy here? Absolutely. Uh, uh, well, think about how this might work. You know, you have an elder who comes along. He's a lover of money. Uh, he doesn't like to give much away. He's going to take that attitude into the session. He's going to take that attitude into the church. When it comes time to think about, um, you know, how do we take care of our pastor, he's most likely going to be the same way. He's not going to be generous, right? He's going to want to hoard what he can. Uh, so that's a, good, that's a good point. Yeah. Yes, Don. Yeah, good question. So the question is, when was Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, completed? Uh, when was First Timothy completed? Um, I don't know the exact dates off the top of my head. Um, First Timothy was written, uh, I believe, late 50s, maybe 60s. We don't know for sure. Um, obviously, the, what was happening in the Gospels obviously happened prior to that. Now, when... The, the Gospels were written is another matter, right? It's likely they were written before, obviously, First Timothy. Um, and so when he says, that for the Scripture says, and he's referring to the words that are recorded in Matthew, um, you know, we, we can take that in, at face value at, at what it's saying, even though Matthew might have not have been fully completed and circulated, Right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
So it's, it's, the Gospels were being circulated. They were being gathered, circulated. They knew them. The church knew them. Um, of course, not everybody had them, like we have a Bible in our hands. But they were Scripture. And so when Paul is thinking about that, he can refer to those accounts as Scripture. Um, whether or not the churches that Timothy served actually had, you know, the Gospel of Matthew in their hands, that, you know, that's, that's another matter, but uh, it doesn't change the fact that it's Scripture, right? So that's a good question, yeah. Anything else? Yeah, Jim. What is that? Early 70s? Okay, okay. So maybe roughly around the time Timothy was written. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, if it came later, the same thing, right? Maybe they've never come into contact with the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yes, Jim or Jeff. Yeah. You're talking about the red letters and Bibles that. Yeah, I can write the right here. The red letter, okay, so Christ said that. Yeah, yeah. So the danger of writing something Sure. I have a red letter edition. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, so that's, that is a danger. It, it almost, I mean, you look at the red letters versus the black letters, you can think. Well, the red letters are scripture for sure because Jesus said them, but the rest, maybe, you know. Uh, but, I mean, you do have to differentiate between the, the spoken words of Jesus, which are the words of God, right, which went out into the air at a moment in time and people heard them and then they were gone. And the written word of Jesus, the written words that we have in scripture, which are also the word of God, the living and active word of God. And so uh, it's appropriate that Paul say, the scripture says. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Elaine. Yeah. 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 The quote comes from De- Deuteronomy 25. Jesus is basically teaching the Old Testament, so he's drawing out the implications of Deuteronomy 25. The laborer deserves his wages. But when Paul says, Scripture says, he's equating Matthew's account, Jesus' words, and the account of his words in the Gospels with Old Testament Scripture. The same authority, right? It's no different. The Scripture. Old and New Testament Old and New Testaments compose the Word of God, right? Uh, Mike. Okay, so when uh, in the New Testament, when the writers refer to Scripture, they're almost always referring to Old Testament books. Yes, that's, that's true. 
That's true. Um, but uh, the same is true as well. When we're looking at here, when we're talking about uh, Jesus' words as they're recorded in Matthew. So, yeah. Yes, Jay. Yep. Yeah. This isn't the. Yeah. Good point, Jay. This isn't the only place where the words in the New Testament are referred to uh, as scripture, and so uh, it's just a it's a principle that's throughout the New Testament. Um, and Jay brought up the point that uh, Peter refers to Paul's teaching as scripture, as the word of God. And so, uh, yeah, very good. Okay, anything else? All right, let's keep going. Um, all right, so Timothy's to guard the, the honor of the elders, uh, but he also needs to recognize that elders should not be completely free from scrutiny or moral oversight. He says, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. So elders are not perfect. Yes, guard the leadership of the church against abuse, but the elders are to guard their hearts as well. And Timothy is supposed to, um, is supposed to help with that. You might think about um, Paul and Peter in Galatians chapter 2. Uh, Cephas... Another name for Peter. Listen to what happened here. Cephas came to Antioch. These are Paul. This is Paul speaking. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentile. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And so Peter was um, eating with the Gentiles, but then here comes the Jews, their circumcision party, and Peter was afraid to be... um, to be associated with Gentiles in the presence of Jews, and so he, he drew back, right? Which is not a good thing for Peter to do. Um, but when I saw their conduct, and Peter did that, and Peter also influenced others to do that. And so Paul says, when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all. He rebuked them in the presence of all, right? Uh, and so there you have the apostle Peter, uh, Peter, the apostle, right, being rebuked in the presence of the whole church because he was showing prejudice towards the Jews, um, which was an opposition to the gospel. And so, uh, so Paul uh, rebuked him in the presence of all. And so, again, uh, the point is elders are to be supervised as well by one another, right? The leaders in the church are to guard... Guard the honor of one another, but also keep watch on one another. And if something, if they do something wrong, uh, they shouldn't shy away from addressing it. All right, he goes on to say, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others uh, appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain uh, hidden. All right, so Paul gives Timothy an, uh, an image here. This is a courtroom image. God is the judge. Christ is also involved in the judgment in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. 
There's spectators in the courtroom, right? You think about a courtroom, there's people there watching. Who are the spectators in this image? The elect angels. Uh, Timothy then is to be very careful not to show partiality. He's not to prejudge. And so, and he's to do this knowing that higher power is watching, right? Charles Spurgeon, um, some of you may know who that is. He's a famous uh, Baptist preacher, uh, Calvinist Baptist preacher. Um, He said, I believe this was Spurgeon who said this, the pastor should feel God's eyelashes in his ministry. So uh, God is watching, right? Now this is, of course, it relates to the elders as well. Um, Timothy and the other elders, they were not to to prejudge. They were to show a, a, a healthy amount of objectivity, right? And so not to be too quick to dismiss things that are brought to them, but also not to be too quick to fully accept things that are brought to them, right? Okay, you want to bring a charge against one of our elders? Where are your witnesses? And so you see there the objectivity. This might be true, but we need evidence. And so um, that's what Timothy was to do. Um, Also, he says, uh, Timothy and other leaders should not ordain men to ministry too hastily. That's the laying on of hands. He says, let them be tested first. Uh, Paul tells Timothy also in verse 23 to take care of himself physically. He says, use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. All right, notice the emphasis on a little wine, right? (laughs) Not a lot of wine. Use a little, take care of yourself, Timothy. That's essentially what Paul is saying. Take care of your body. And that's, that's a message for all of us, right? Uh, our bodies are temples. That's the way the Bible describes our, bo- our bodies. Uh, they don't belong to us. They are Christ's. They belong to Christ. You are not your own. So you're not free to do with your body whatever you please. You're obligated to take care of your body to take care of yourself physically, to take care of your overall well-being. Why? For the sake of the church, right? Timothy was to do the same thing. Don't ignore your stomach issues, Timothy, right? Do something about it. Drink a little wine. Take care of yourself. Um, In the last couple of verses, Paul commends patience in Timothy's ministry. Uh, He says Timothy, he's basically saying that Timothy would not be able to ferret out every sin in every member. It's just not going to happen. Timothy is not God. He's not going to be able to bring everybody's sin, if he thinks there's sin out, he's not going to be able to bring it out um, into the open. He says some sins are conspicuous, some are not. In other words, Timothy and other leaders would never, um, might never see some of these sins um, come to light, but they would bring with them, bring those sins with them to judgment. And so the point is, Timothy, you and the other leaders, you're not going to be able to address every little sin, even maybe sometimes the major sins in people. It's just not going to happen. Um, some are more clear, some are more conspicuous, some are inconspicuous. Uh, um, but God is the judge. God will take care of his people. God will take care of those who need disciplining, uh, even if the leaders can't, aren't able to deal with some of those things. Um, and so, patience, Timothy. 
patience. Maybe, you know, maybe he is, becomes aware of something in, in the members. Maybe he becomes some, aware of uh, something serious in uh, a particular member, even a particular leader, right? Uh, and he's not able to really do anything about it. Patience, Timothy. You never know. They might repent. Timothy, you might be wrong. You might think something is going on and there's nothing going on. So be patient. Some sins are conspicuous. Some, uh, some are not. Uh, and so he's reminding Timothy that God, God does his work. Sometimes God will draw out sins in, uh, in people to make it evident to all. Uh, and therefore, Timothy would not have to do anything necessarily with these people. And so patience is crucial in the ministry. It's crucial in leadership. Um, remember, uh, back to the qualifications for elder, they're not to be violent, but gentle, right? The violence there is not so much about, and we talked about this already, it's not so much, you know, uh, this guy doesn't bring a baseball bat to church, you know. Um, certainly you wouldn't want to admit a guy like that to leadership. We're talking about quick to get angry, right? Quick to lash out, to, to, to browbeat, right? That's the kind of violence that's in, in, in view. Uh, but gentle, right? The leaders are to be gentle, uh, patient. Uh, and so that's, that's, the, that's the call upon Timothy as well. I mean, Jesus was patient with all of us. Um, none of us have the right to not be patient. Jesus has been patient with all of us, and he's still patient with us, and so we are to do the same. We'll stop there for a second. We've got a little bit more. Yeah, Jeff. Do what? Yes, yes. Yeah, we're not done yet. Uh, Mike, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
No, no, that's good. I, I think I get what you're saying. I think the question is, Mike is, uh, Mike is asking the question, in light of what Paul is saying here about to Timothy, keep yourself pure, don't be hasty in the laying on of hands. Um, the sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment. Might, might there be an inclination in Timothy to maybe ordain a man too quickly? Uh, does Paul know that? Is Paul aware of that? To where that, that might be a temptation for Timothy? You know, uh, I think absolutely. Yeah, the, um, that that is the context. And so, um, in some sense, yes, he says, uh, "Keep yourself pure," meaning um, guard the leadership. Right? Uh, just because someone comes forward and is desiring to be part of the leadership doesn't necessarily mean that you, you have to go along with it, Timothy. Um, which means that if Timothy were to ignore these commands, if Timothy were to ignore these warnings and go about being hasty in the laying on of hands and just admit someone, then Timothy's responsible for that at some level. If you think about it, um, you know, leaders in the church, man comes forward, uh, wants to be part of leadership. Uh, they test him and all sorts of issues, right? And so violence, not gentle, uh, lover of money, whatever it may be. Um, and perhaps they decide, well, we just don't want to say no. You know, we just, we don't want to deal with this, so let's just let him do what he wants to do. And then he becomes a leader, and then he starts causing problems in the church. That responsibility falls, of course, upon the, that leader who's wrongly pursuing leadership. But it also falls upon the current leadership, Timothy. You let this happen. I warned you. Don't be quick, right? And so that's a good point. I think that's exactly spot on. Yeah. Everybody understand that? Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. Uh, oh, to good works now. Um, some sins are conspicuous. They're evident. Some are secret. They'll, they'll come out in the appointed time. Same with good works. Um, Timothy would have to suffer himself, would have to suffer the effects of some sins, right? So he would, he would have to patiently endure sins of others. Maybe he's aware of some and he just has to sit it out. Uh, Timothy is to be reminded that good works are conspicuous and even those that are not cannot remain hidden, meaning you'll be vindicated soon, Timothy. If you remain firm to what I've called you to do, I'm telling you to do, what God is calling you to do, you will be vindicated. It's the same with every member in the church, right? Um, We are called to do all sorts of things in secret. Praying in secret. Give in secret. Don't don't do the things you do to get the praise of men. Don't stand on the corner uh, looking for the praise of men like the Pharisees do. A lot of, a lot of what we do is to be done in, in secret. We don't get a lot of applause. We don't get a lot of fanfare for that. Um, but those good works cannot remain hidden. Stay faithful. Timothy, stay faithful. God is watching. He knows what you're doing. He knows you're faithful. He knows you're sincere. He knows the kind of things that are happening around you. Um, stay faithful, Timothy. And that's a call upon the church as well. I was thinking of um, 
there's a proverb, the book of Proverbs, that says this, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day, right? And so you are the light. That light cannot remain hidden. It's too bright. It will come out into the open. It will shine. Actually, we were talking about being lights in the world this morning in, 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 the, in the sermon. So that's good. Uh, John Calvin says this, When virtue does not receive the honor which it deserves, we must wait for the full time of revelation and endure the stupidity of the world and wait quietly in darkness till the day dawn. Isn't that beautiful? Same language that we saw in, in, in Proverbs. That's, that's who you are. That's who we are. We're the light of the world. You're not going to get a lot of appreciation for that, but it cannot remain hidden. It will, it will shine at its appointed uh, time. I have one other, well, um, well, I'll just stop there. Any, any thoughts? Yeah, Jeff. Sure, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. That's an excellent point, actually, Jeff. Um, uh, so Jeff brings out the point that you know, Timothy, as a pastor, used to be to remember that you know there, there are lots of good things that people do in the church, and they're very visible, right? Um, they might not be doing them just for the visibility of them, but they're doing them, and people know it, right? Um, very visible. Uh, Timothy, don't don't get discouraged in thinking that's it. That's where the good works stop. There's lots and lots of other good works that are happening behind the scenes that you don't know about, right? And sometimes those those things those things come out. I mean. It, I've, uh, I'll give them personal testimony, you know, just have, in conversation with people, and I find out uh, about things that they've, they've done for their neighbor, they've done for someone in the church that was in need, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing, <laughs> you know, that's great. Uh, you love to hear that kind of stuff. Um, and so, so, yeah, that's exactly right, uh, Jeff. Um, but it's a reminder to all of us, you know, that... Um, Persevere, right? Faithfulness. You're not, you're not going to get appreciated for everything uh, that you do, and maybe in the manner that you would like. Um, but God is watching. God sees what you do. Uh, good works cannot remain hidden. Right? Anything else? Yes. Shara. Oh. Well, 
that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So uh, Shar is talking about the apostolic age. Um, during the apostolic age, there, of course, were lots of supernatural miracles that were taking place, right? Physical healings. Um, and so uh, you're thinking about, you know, physical remedies. Uh, one, one avenue would be to be healed <laughs> by an apostle, right? Uh, well, that's going away. And so um, uh, Shara brings out the point. Maybe Paul is also thinking about, you know, this, this avenue, this possibility of miraculous, miraculous healings is fading away. You're going to need to uh, use the ordinary ordinary means to take care of yourself. I think there's something to be said about that for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish I had a doctor apostle I could call up, you know. Um, sick. <laughs> Peter, come on. I'm sick. I need you to take care of this. Um, yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the resurrection of Christ, which promises that our good works cannot remain hidden. We pray that you would prepare our hearts uh, for worship now and help us, Lord, to remain faithful in both um, those things that are very visible and those things that are uh, invisible to most. Uh, we do pray that you continue to sanctify us by your spirit, that we would heed the words of Paul to be faithful, to persevere in all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.